0: Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us for a conversation is Anthony Malusky, the chairman, CEO, and director for Cobalt 27, which is a leading electric metals investment vehicle that offers exposure to metals integral to key technologies of the electric vehicle and battery energy storage markets. Mr. Malusky, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for, uh, for having me and excited to be on here for the first time. <laughs> Glad to have you on the program to share the unique value proposition of Cobalt 27, which is a successful cobalt royalty and streaming company, in addition to providing shareholders a proxy to the metal. To really appreciate the context of today's interview, Anthony, I believe it may be best that we provide listeners with a basic overview on the global demand for electric vehicles in which cobalt is an essential metal.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think you have to kind of take a a step back and and look at what I consider to be two of the most important industries on earth, which are now sitting at the precipice of of one of the biggest disruptions they've seen, you know, potentially in the last hundred years. And that is namely the energy industry and the automobile industry. You know, 60% today of crude is actually used in automobiles and in the Uh, automobile industry, not only are you talking about a shift away from ICE vehicles, internal combustion engine vehicles, to electric, but you're also talking about structural changes in ownership with uh, ride-hailing services, uh, autonomous vehicles, and a bunch of changes. And so uh, these changes are dramatic and impacting a whole host of companies across a lot of different parts of our societies globally, and at the heart of that change is the electric vehicle. And the reason for that is that the electric vehicle has the sensors and the technology on it to put forward the platform for the next generation of changes inside of the automobile industry, namely that autonomous driving and, and some of the other safety features that are being rolled out. So to kind of put forward, uh, or to put in perspective, that change, you know, I like to kind of think about where we've come from. And a few short years ago, uh, EV sales were effectively zero. I mean, literally, you know, they were just this novelty item that 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 you kind of um, uh, probably couldn't even ride in one if you wanted to. Uh, when we IPO'd, you know, about two years ago, uh, we kind of talked about seven percent penetration in twenty twenty five, and and even then we got pushed back. You know, now analysts are predicting in twenty twenty five as high as twenty to thirty percent penetration. I think. Uh, can accord actually is, is even higher than that in 2030 and so you're seeing a dramatic increase in the rates of adoptions that analysts are, are looking at and, and then to kind of help put the numbers specifically to dates you know 10 percent uh, of car sales in november in california were electric vehicles that's one zero ten percent similar numbers in canada now that was driven in part by model three deliveries but the point is the acceleration of adoption of these things has really happened in the last 18 months, and we're seeing uh, the automobile companies now really heavily push these uh, these vehicles, not only for the environmental aspects of it, namely cleaner air in large urban environments, but also because of the future of automobiles and the future of the automobile industry around autonomous driving and around automation.
0: You know, this all bodes well for cobalt demand. Sticking with demand, cobalt is an essential metal in the manufacturing of batteries. What has Cobalt 27 excited about the battery demand? Well,
1: each one of these cars actually has a battery. So remember today, the cobalt market is, you know, anywhere from 105 to 130,000 metric tons um, of metal equivalent. And half of that demand today is actually batteries. Uh, but, But your iPhone right? That, that would be an example of a battery that has cobalt in it. Your laptop, computer, your iPad, um, just about any device that you plug into the wall and recharge it with a cord and then walk away has cobalt in it. So that demand already exists. But the demand that has us excited is really the demand from the electric vehicle. So if I just told you the market for cobalt today is about 135,000 metric tons, let's just assume, you know, at at 20% penetration, you're going to need something like 250 to 300,000 metric tons of cobalt just for electric vehicles. So what what you see is as the adoption happens, the the actual use of cobalt uh, grows exponentially. And, and we're seeing that happen, you know, as we speak now with adoption rates and sales of these vehicles.
0: You know, and the U.S. investors are aware of Tesla's Gigafactory, but Tesla isn't alone. How many mega factories are in construction? Well, look, that, that number
1: is interesting because it's changing all the time. You know, in 2017, I think that the number was 17. Um, you know, a few months ago, it was 70. And, and even a few more gigafactories have been announced in the last few weeks. So that, that number is over 70 now. And even as recently as um, this month, you know, Tesla announced the construction of a, of a factory in China, a gigafactory. Uh, but all of these automobile makers, battery makers, cathode makers uh, have these factories slated to be built globally. You know, one of the things about these batteries is uh, the producers of them aren't particularly keen to be shipping them long distances, and so you know, unlike an automobile, which you know is kind of highly consolidated in where it's manufactured, what you're actually seeing is a lot of different gigafactories being built globally around the world uh, at a very quick pace i mean the pace is is almost monthly there's more uh gigafactories announced
0: to truly appreciate the demand for cobalt in the 70 plants that are under construction how is that number juxtaposed to the mega factories that were in construction just in 2017.
1: well look in 2017 there are roughly uh, I believe about 17 and today I think the number is is 72 I think is the number that benchmark publishes so you know that's a dramatic increase in you know in less than two years um and and we anticipate that that's going to continue right you, you know right now analysts are talking about you know 10 15 20 percent penetration but you know what happens when 80 percent of all cars are electric and so you know we anticipate that going forward That story will just continue to accelerate over time as adoption increases.
0: Let's move on to supply and see how these factories will meet production. There are some concerning challenges on the supply side of cobalt, which really makes the value proposition exciting for Cobalt 27. Where and how is supply currently being satisfied?
1: So it's interesting. Uh, The geology of the world is such that over 70% of cobalt comes from the Congo. And by the way, it doesn't come from the Congo. It comes from one little tiny area in the Congo. You know, if you think about OPEC at its at its peak, it didn't control seventy percent of the world's oil. And so, you know, one of the problems with cobalt is simply concentration risk. It comes from the Congo, where there are alleged human rights violations associated with mining it, and, and it's tough. So, I think that's kind of part of the story. And the balance of the story is that it comes from nickel outside of the Congo. So, in the Congo, it's copper in the rest of the world that comes from nickel uh, in Canada and Australia, in particular, but also places like Russia and Cuba, and those nickel projects, um, not all of them, but many of them are nickel projects with enormous capexes that that have overrun. And so, you know, it's not as if uh, you know outside of the Congo you can simply just go and dig up cobalt. Now, in the Congo, it's slightly different. Uh, one of the one of the things that we've seen is the ability to have artisanal cobalt, and so. You know, the price of cobalt ran up to $44 and has now since eased off, and it's eased off in large part because of artisanal mining. And artisanal mining uh, can mean different things to different people. It, it typically means that an individual is showing up and, and shoveling cobalt. That that actually, in some cases, is actually legal in Congo. It's not, it's not illegal per se, although most of the time highly environmentally damaging. However, what the problem is in the Congo is that or the allegations are is that uh, often child labor is used for that artisanal Congo. And so you have concentration risk, and then you really have supply chain risk and you really have a need now uh, from the automakers and the consumers, and the battery makers to kind of secure the supply chain and really be able to communicate to the consumers of the automobiles that when they buy that car, uh, that the cobalt was ethically sourced and produced
0: Sir, you referenced that seventy percent of cobalt comes from the DRC. From an off-take standpoint, how can manufacturers confidently rely on the DRC to meet their production needs?
1: I think it's a it's a real challenge. So, you know, obviously there are companies like Glencore who um, are you know perfectly capable counterparties for the battery makers and cathode makers. But it's a wider issue, and it's an issue that's being addressed and is going to have to be addressed going forward which is how do you secure clean cobalt as it were? And I, I don't I don't think you can if you are actually sourcing artisanal cobalt. I, I think there are solutions that uh, could be put in place to actually do that. but I think today if you are an end user, a consumer of cobalt, you really need to source that cobalt from you know outside of the Congo or from a mechanized miner. Uh, whereas if you're getting it, from artisanal mining there's a great wall street journal article about this kind of last year um, third or fourth quarter if you're getting it from artisanal miners i think it's tainted you know uh, that artisanal supply is aggregated at refineries and and while you know one of the 25 sources may or may not be clean you know if any of the sources are unclean it's all mixed and it taints all of it so i don't think those challenges have been fully addressed yet and i think if auto an automaker wants to actually be able to ensure that it can say uh, it's cobalt and it's its basic material pipeline is ethically sourced they're going to have to for the time being buy directly from mechanized miners or buy outside the Congo going forward uh, you know they're going to have to consider whether or not they're prepared to invest directly into mining companies or uh, create um, pretty different environments around the artisanal mining in the cobalt I uh, experienced in the Congo
0: you alluded to it, but just for confirmation, does Cobalt Twenty Seven have any offtake and/or holdings in the DRC?
1: No, we, uh, you know, we absolutely do not invest in the Congo. We don't buy cobalt out of the Congo. We don't have streams or royalties in the Congo. You know, from our perspective, we 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 sit and we watch some of these large mining companies have problems in the Congo and and you know with multi billion dollar market caps, and if they're unable to to successfully navigate that environment you know i think it would be a challenge for us to think that we could do that so we've we've steered completely clear of it and i think that's one of the offerings of cobalt 27 is conflict-free cobalt
0: from a sovereign standpoint which countries have a strategic stockpile of cobalt uh historically speaking the u.s and china did um But,
1: you know, the U.S. government sold down their stockpile for the last decade. And uh, today, really, China has the key sovereign stockpile. And they don't, you know, there are different numbers about how large that is. Um, I think it's a pretty material stockpile, but it's not used for batteries. You know, cobalt is critical in the aerospace industry. And so the cobalt that the Chinese government has stockpiled is likely earmarked for you know, jet engines and missiles and that, that type of thing as opposed to batteries.
0: Now, from a manufacturing standpoint, which automakers have a stockpile of cobalt? Uh, I'm
1: not aware of any. Uh, you know, I, um, I suspect there could be, but I don't think publicly
0: there are any. Now, cobalt is a byproduct primarily of nickel and copper mining, so how does the spot price of nickel and copper affect cobalt?
1: Well, over time, you know, nickel and cobalt have actually been fairly correlated if you look, although that's not been the case certainly in uh, 2019 as nickel is up you know, 20-something percent and, and cobalt is down. But I think the key correlation is that over time, in order to get increased cobalt production, you're going to need to see higher nickel prices and probably copper prices.
0: What is the current spot price of cobalt and how is that in relation to the historic prices?
1: Yeah, so today, cobalt is in the mid-teens. There are different types of cobalt. There's a metal. Even within metal, there's a high-grade and a low-grade, and there's um, a hydroxide. And so there's a bunch of different products, but I would say it's in the mid-teens. And, um, you know, it's actually, right now, it's cheap. You know, uh, like, on the inflation-adjusted 20-year average, you know, cobalt price is closer to 22 bucks. So cobalt's actually looking like a, a pretty strong buy as a metal at the moment.
0: For our audience members, we now see the value proposition we have before us in Cobalt. Let's discuss the value proposition we have in Cobalt 27 and how you may profit. Mr. Maluski, please introduce us to Cobalt 27.
1: Sure, Cobalt 27 is really a proxy for the adoption of the electric vehicle. You know, I, I don't know who the ultimate winner is going to be among the automobile companies, if it's Tesla, if it's Ford, if it's Beijing Auto. Maybe you should own a chip maker, NVIDIA. You know, I don't really know. But what I do know is if there is a winner, then basic materials will be winners. And among those basic materials, we think Cobalt will be particularly positioned to be a winner. Cobalt 27 gives investors access to those price movements in the Cobalt spot price in three primary ways. The first way is just we have a, a 2,900 metric tonne stockpile of cobalt sitting in LME bonded warehouses. Uh, The second is a basket of royalties on nickel cobalt projects globally, uh, large scale projects uh, that give the investor optionality. And then third, you know, we have a stream on Boise's Bay in Canada um, on their nickel cobalt mine. And we're also in the process of completing a, a recent transaction on Um, Highland Pacific to own a a joint venture interest in uh, the Ramu nickel mine. And so, you know, we're not miners, nor are we going to be. You're not subject to CapEx in the same way that you are with uh, a mining company. And instead, you know, what we try to give investors is really the maximum torque to that adoption and price move, uh, you know, in the coming, you know, months, days, years as the adoption of the electric vehicle rolls out.
0: Now, were you able to procure your cobalt previously through streaming deals, or how was that accomplished?
1: So the streams and, and royalties are all financially settled, um, such that there's cash flow in the business uh, when those particular royalties are producing. Uh, whereas with the physical, that was actually stationary and is stationary, so that was a purchase. Uh, but the nature of a stream is that you know, you typically sell the material into the market as it comes in. And then you take that cash flow and you pay a dividend, you buy back more shares,
0: or maybe you make another investment. Is the ultimate goal to set up off-take agreements with EV and battery manufacturers with your physical storage?
1: Look, I think there's there's two different kind of avenues that are being pursued. I think the first is just to look like a traditional streaming and royalty company. You know, look like a Franco or a Wheaton uh, a Sandstorm. Uh, which is a very well-trodden path in Canada. Uh, you know, you can get a multiple, in some cases, of over two times NAV. Uh, today, we traded a fraction of that. So I think that's one avenue. Uh, a second avenue, of course, is, you know, we're building a supply chain for, for, for cobalt and, to a lesser extent, nickel outside of the Congo. And, you know, through the cycle, that's going to be attractive to automobile makers, battery makers, and other end users of these products. And so, uh, you know, you could see you could foresee through the cycle how we would get approached by these individuals in different capacities to try to transact on on what is clean material
0: switching gears cobalt 27 has strategically positioned themselves for the upside potential in the clean air revolution in evs and batteries but equally important are the people that are responsible for increasing shareholder value mr maluski please introduce us to your board of directors
1: yeah, so um, our lead director is Nick French. Uh, Nick spent his career, you know, since the early '80s, late '70s, trading cobalt. One of the most knowledgeable traders uh, probably alive uh, on the cobalt uh, industry, and so he's on the board. You have Frank Estegard, a, a former KPMG partner, uh, who really adds a lot to the you know the audit committee. Uh, Candice McGibbons is a mining executive. You know, she's uh, highly involved in the mining industry and understands a lot of the different aspects and, and concerns and and transactions. You know, Phil Williams, a banker, former banker who also runs a royalty company, is excellent in terms of just being able to kind of look at transactions and financings and add to the conversation. You have Justin Cochran, who is also the president and COO. Justin spent a decade as a banker in the streaming and royalty business and then later went on to actually be one of the earliest uh, team members of Sandstorm, and you know was critical there and ran the business development. So he's sort
0: of been in the streaming and, and royalty business for his entire career. So it's a really a strong board. Tell us more about Anthony Malouski and what makes him qualified for the task at hand. So I'm Anthony. <laughs>
1: uh, you, you know, uh, look, I think. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, one of the most important things that that I can do to help create value is make sure that we have the right team in place and the right strategy, so that all the team members are able to execute on that strategy. and And so, I really see myself as as someone who puts forward that strategy and facilitates, you know, Justin and Martin and the team members executing on that growth strategy and executing on our strategy to really be. Um, you know, uh, a critical part of the cobalt and nickel supply chain going forward. Who is on your management team? So the key the key members of the management team include myself, Justin Cochran, and Martin Vidra. Martin Vidra spent over thirty years at Sherit, uh ran a bunch of different aspects of that business, and is incredible incredibly knowledgeable on nickel and nickel and cobalt. Um, you know, he sits on the nickel I guess he sits on the cobalt LME cobalt committee and. You know, he's really an uh, industry veteran that, that adds a lot of insight for the business.
0: Let's get into some numbers. Please share your capital structure.
1: Yeah, so we have around 85 million shares outstanding um, and no pref shares. Um, you know, we've never, had, uh, we've never had a financing with an attached warrant. Um, obviously, there's some, some options outstanding to the management team. As well. And then we have a revolver in place for $200 million USD, but we've not drawn any of it. So it's a pretty simple cap structure, and, and that's intentional. You know, we try to keep it straightforward and simple.
0: How much cash and cash equivalents do you have? I think approximately $50 million. And how much debt do you have? Uh, we have none. Who are your major shareholders, and what is their level of commitment?
1: Well, I I, um, I couldn't speak to the level of commitment, except that our shareholders have all been extremely supportive over the over the last couple of years in financings. Um, one of them is Paula Investments. Another one is CI Harbor, BlackRock. Um, I think Fidelity. You know, we have Newberger Berman on the register. Uh, we have a pretty uh, wide range of institutional investors who have been very supportive over the last. Um,
0: over the last kind of year and a half, two years since, since the IPO. Sir, are you a shareholder? And if so, how many shares do you own? And when was the last time you purchased?
1: Yeah, I think I own around 400,000 shares and I, I purchased uh, shares as recently uh, as maybe, uh, I believe it was January or February. So, uh, you know, big believer in, in the company and um, and also in, in buying shares myself when, when the share price
0: is uh, priced as it is today. Multi-layered question. What is the next unanswered question for Cobalt 27? When can we expect a response and what determines success?
1: I think the next, the, you know, the next big moment for us is closing the Highland Pacific transaction. Uh, you know, that's anticipated later this spring. Uh, I think that will be a catalyst that closing, you know, it'll show that uh, we were able to transact. You know, it'll also bring in a substantial asset of producing nickel cobalt asset. So I I think uh, that's definitely the next big catalyst. That's, you know, a few months away. And um, that's heavily driven by like regulatory matters in terms of um, court dates and voting and that sort of stuff. I think once we're through that, you know, the next kind of big moment we'll be thinking about cash flow and dividends and, and, and that sort of thing. So I would say in the immediate term, the big, the big moment for us is getting through the Highland Pacific
0: transaction. Mr. Maluski, last question. What did I forget to ask?
1: Uh, you know, I think you covered it. You did a great job covering it. So I really appreciate your time and having me on the show.
0: Anthony, if investors want to get more information about Cobalt 27, please share the website address. It's it's, uh, pretty easy. It's cobalt27.com. For direct inquiries, please call 647-846-7765. That number again is 647-846-7765. Or you may email info at cobalt27.com. Cobalt 27 trades on the TSXV symbol K-B-L-T and on the OTCQX symbol C-B-L-L-F. Last but not least, please visit ProvenAndProbable.com for mining insights and bullion sales. You may reach us at contact at ProvenAndProbable.com. Anthony Maluski of Cobalt 27, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable.